All right. Hey, everyone. Hi. Full house. I see that. <laughs> All right. Recording. I'm making sure we got that. Yeah, I think we're recording, so I'll read our script here. Thank you, Jackie. Good evening, everyone. I have a few housekeeping items for the Zoom meeting. This meeting is being recorded and broadcast on the city's YouTube channel. Please remember to mute yourself during the meeting when you are not speaking. The chat function for this public meeting is disabled. All chats will go directly to me. Unless you are participating during the meeting, please turn off your video. This allows the active meeting participants to be seen on screen. You will still be able to hear the meeting. When you are participating, please turn your, your video on. If you have any trouble, you can send me a chat. The city reserves the right to mute people or turn individual videos off to minimize distractions during the meeting. Please remember to state your name each time you speak for the benefit of those participating remotely. And now I'll turn the meeting back over to Jackie Becker. Thanks so much, Stephen. Uh, with that call to order, uh, we are looking to approve the minutes from our June meeting last month, if everyone can take a look at that and looking for a motion once they've been read. This is Marilyn Hull, board member. I would move approval of the minutes. Amber Nickel, board member, I'll second. All right, we have a first and a second. All those in favor, say aye or raise your hand. Aye. 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 All those opposed? All right, minutes from June turn June 13th are approved. Uh, now we'll move on to part C, which is public comment. I'm not sure if we have anyone today. Stephen, if you can let me know. I'm not seeing anybody on the line. We have two down here. Excellent. Public comment or public comment? Um, just was here to see uh, if the discussion was about the Prairie uh, Park um, feature of that. So, okay. Um, I planned on Director of Parks Recreation, Director Rogers, I planned on catching a little bit, just kind of the highlights at the very end of the meeting as director's comments, but not as an agenda item. But you're more than welcome if you'd like to make a public comment or make your comments heard before we start the meeting, too. Was just going to support keeping it open. Okay. And, uh, you know, we moved here, I think, 18 years ago as a convenience. Um, and, but we could have moved back to Kansas City, but we chose to stay here because we really fell in love with Lawrence. And as you know, Lawrence, you know, what makes it special is it's a, a moderate sized community, offers a lot of, uh, uh, a lot of lifestyle advantages. And part of it is the parks and recs, you know, the, the nature areas, uh, the natural areas that you can go and explore and stuff and, and, and de-stress and things like that. So definitely support keeping uh, parks open and, 
Yeah, I just wanted to second that. Um, I think it's very, very Park offers a really great opportunity for children, for learning, for people to get back to nature. I think really would like to see it stay open. Okay. Thank you for your comments. And um, you're also welcome. Jackie, do you want me to just go ahead and explain a little bit about the process tomorrow? Are you good with that? Absolutely, go for it. Um, tomorrow night is a work session. And um, so I'll have public comment at the beginning. Um, I know the city manager and the budget encourage you to do, if you would like to do a written comment, you can submit that to go along with the work session. And there's quite a few emails there too. So that's another good way of getting your opinion uh, recorded um, for support of the Nature Center. But thank you for coming and appreciate your comments. Are you talking about Prairie Park as a whole or just the Nature Center? Uh, the proposal for closure is just the Nature Center. The park would still stay a park of the City of Lawrence. And now we're an outboard member, just clarification. So when it's a work session, they're not going to decide tomorrow. No. Okay. So, so it's the same measure which presents. And then the city commission, Mark, correct me if I'm wrong, July 19th will probably be the discussion about the budget proposed by the city manager's office. Is that yeah, Mark, assistant director, that's when they set the maximum mill levy. So if they're going to increase the mill levy, they need to do it by then. Otherwise, they're capped and then need to move things in within the mill levy that is adopted. So there'll be about a month's worth of discussion on budget, I would suspect. Excellent. Thank you. Um, any public comment online? Thank you for coming. Thank you. Have a good night. Appreciate it. Okay. I'm not seeing any other public comments. All right. Then it looks like we can move on to our agenda for the day. Uh, Item number one is uh, welcoming our latest member to the Parks and Rec Advisory Board, Patrick Brown. And I see you remotely also, so uh, welcome. Um, I'm Jackie, the chair, and I want you to tell us about yourself. Oh, wow, uh, about me, I'm just uh, lived in Lawrence for years. Um, have two girls that uh, we you know, essentially took, or definitely took advantage of Parks and Rec, everything from basketball to softball. Um, you know, I still get out there and try to play basketball every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, utilizing the uh, uh, what we have available to us. And so I just, uh, I definitely love uh, the city of Lawrence and what it, it has to offer. And so uh, I didn't take much to get me on this board. Well, we definitely are a basketball town for sure. So right. <laughs> it's right. excellent, excellent to have you on board with our our board and uh, look forward to having you this whole year and your comments and thoughts are so welcome with us too. So Thanks. Uh, number item number two, then will be our uh, splash pad opening update. I can catch that and Mark can uh, I bet some back up Derek Rogers director for parks recreation. We did our ribbon cutting. Uh, with the support of the city commissions, my advisory board members, and a bunch of community young kids. And that was on July 5th, Tuesday at, at 1.30 p.m. It was 
very well attended, very well enjoyed, um, worked as advertised. Everybody was having fun. And uh, I've gone by there, and I know staff have too, at various hours through the day. And I don't care if I go there in the morning or in the evening before I go home from, from work at around 8.30. Kids are out there all the time, and that place is getting used, a bunch of happy kids. Um, Mark going. Mark Edgar, assistant director. I, I would just echo everything Derek said. It's it's been fun to just kind of drive by and make sure what we did is popular and it's seems to be getting a thumbs up every time we stop and talk to people. So we'll be posting some rural signs. We kind of wanted to wait just to kind of figure out what signs we need to post up, but we'll be doing that here in the next week just to kind of give everybody some general guidelines on how and when. But uh, been highly used or we're learning on the maintenance side what it's going to take for us to keep up with the use because we have to chlorinate the water and we have to backwash the filters and we have to run the pumps so we're learning a little bit and going the next week we'll probably be a little better at it than we were the first week so. i saw a few comments online on facebook that it wasn't working or that this one feature wasn't working so i have two questions around that one i assume that's what you're addressing now and two, is there, what's the protocol for interjecting online or saying it like as a board member, should we say anything? Is the parks and rec department paying attention and will reply to anything or is it a. Uh, Mark, our assistant director, we try to steer people to, to comment to us as opposed to just throwing comments out. Mm -hmm. We don't really get seen very often. The issue we had this past weekend was basically we were in so much use the filter got plugged so it needed to be backwashed it was very simple but it was happened over the weekend so lesson learned we'll backwash friday before we leave let it go over the weekends and then backwash again probably tuesday so it was just a matter of amount of use over the weekend so it reduced the pressure so people got a little upset that it wasn't working right which is okay yeah it was an easy fix it wasn't anything major Director of Parks and Rec, I did sneak into it for bike ride about lunch, and it either was at the same pressure or higher than where it was when we did the ribbon cutting. And smelled a little bit of chlorine, but yeah, very working well. The fun thing about that system is we have the ability to change how the sprays come on. So it's all computerized, and we can dictate that this stays on for how many seconds and turns off and that goes on. So we can kind of change the part a little bit. So it's not predictable that that goes off and that comes on. So that's something we can play with. And we can adjust pressures on each spray hop. There's that one big arc, one that shoots up. You know, right now it's shooting up about eight foot in the air. We can bring it down to three foot if we want to. A mushroom spray we can make bigger. So there's all kinds of things we can play with on the adjustments of, of the spray features to make them different. It's great. Is that there or is that that some remote location? No, yeah, let's see behind the screen. No, it's all there's a huge mechanical system behind that fence. So, in that is all the controls for all the various spray features, and then the computer system that allows it to come on and off. So, the timing system, all the coronation, all the sterilization systems, all in that, in that pit. So. This is Pat Phillips, board member. Um, I was there Sunday morning around nine o'clock. There were a lot of families, little ones, just waiting for it to be able to be, you know, pushed. And I was wondering, after you push it, does it just stay on a certain amount of time, and then it needs to be repushed to, because it shut off for a little bit after like fifteen minutes, it seemed. 
That's exactly correct. It must be working. Yeah, it's the right time. So we're, we're, as the kids start to learn it, they're starting to know that it's about time to go push the button again. So, or when it shuts off, everybody's racing them to hit the button on top. Yeah, there was a race to get to that button. There's a whole game going on, but um, just layers of fun. And I tell you, no one walked away without a smile. It's just a fantastic addition to the neighborhood. It really is. Yeah. Uh, Jackie Becker, what exactly are the hours then for it running? Standard park hours? Uh, it's nine in the morning to eight thirty at night, and we just kind of picked those because we didn't want to go to nine at night as the days start getting short. So, and then we didn't want it on early morning because we wanted some time for maintenance, <laughs> and we got to kind of worry about the neighbors too that we aren't allowing fun to happen <laughs> too early. <laughs> Fun hours. Yeah. Any other comments or thoughts on our new splash pad? This is Val Reno, board member, and I don't know if we talk about it here, but it's the question that Amber brought up, like as board members, if we're on Facebook. Uh, do we sort of jump in as officials and say we're taking care of it or you know is there we haven't talked about social media too much so I don't know if we need that discussion sometime or yeah the parks rec has an on call so if something breaks something like that light pole goes down uh, water main breaks bathroom flooding over there is a number that anybody can call and say hey you if somebody will answer the phone, you got a big problem here. And they go, well, that's not ours. That belongs to Public Works. We'll get that over to MSO. Or, yeah, that's ours. We'll get somebody over there. Um, so there is another route or just contact staff and get on it. Don't know what you don't know. And right. This is Marilyn Hill, board member. I'd like to have that number. On call? I thought. And um, I do tend to just say contact, contact Rogers at this. <laughs> and if I should, they should contact somebody else. I'd rather you did call the on call because that's somebody that's going to take care of it immediately. It's, if you put me in between it, it slows it down. Um, I will give you that phone number. It's 785-832-7923. That's after hours and weekends. And that's the whole city or just parks and that's rec. parks and rec that's our piece so if you called something and it's really not ours but belongs to public works that person will let public works know hey you've got a problem you okay. fix it and they have an on-call too okay. uh, jackie becker uh with the rules <clears throat> being set could we potentially have that number in the set of rules so on off hours and things like that people who are there would be able to know who to call if something's going on with it yeah, we will have a call number on that sign. We're still debating a little bit which number because when, if it's during the day, during the week, we want to call right in the office. It gets a little quicker response than calling the on-call number. So then there's a whole call tree that goes with that number. So it'll eventually get you to the on-call number. Most, and again, we're still experimenting. We're, we're thinking most of our problems are going to happen during business hours, Monday through Friday. There'll be a few on the weekends, but 
And if it happens business hours, the quickest response is to get somebody that answers the phone and then dispatch it out. So thanks for that. Any other questions or comments regarding the slash pad? All right. Well, I definitely look forward to the next one that's happening, going to be built in North Lawrence in the future so we can have another celebration for the, the next one in another part. Uh, moving on to number three, it's the baseball and softball update. Uh, I'm Lindsay Hart, assistant director. Uh, I can speak a little bit about programming. Not too much has changed since our last meeting, but um, we did have a postseason tournament July 5th through 7th for the DeCaba Baseball League. Um, and so I think everybody was excited about that. And we just opened registration for a fall baseball season. And so um, we're taking registration now. So that's something uh, new that we're excited about. And hopefully we can get enough teams to fill that. And so that's really all I have as far as programming. I don't know if Mark has anything to add on the. Yeah, Mark Eckers, assistant director. One thing I might add is on the city commission agenda, they're going to approve the CIP or they're going to be presented this recommended CIP. So um, in 2023, we recommend light upgrades on the uh, fourplex there at YSC, as well as some of the other light systems. So that would be a great upgrade for baseball softball. Um, in 2024, we proposed it, um, switching the infield to artificial turf on baseball. So another good upgrade. So if both of those get through the system, those will be two pretty thumbs up. Um, Kind of big picture improvements to baseball softball and additionally the YSC soccer turf is still in the CIP for next year so that's three and a half million dollars that would create two to four full-size soccer fields with lights so pretty exciting a lot of the money being invested into the youth sports so that's to me a good plus that's multiple versions of the turf yes you can shop for turf right there um, Amber Nickel, board member, I just want to share with the whole board because I thought when you gave me the information, it was very helpful, Mark, about, again, seeing stuff on Facebook about people complaining or uh, upset about the conditions of fields and things during tournaments. And what my understanding is now is that it's the people throw, upholding the tournament or throwing the tournament, if you will, that are in charge of that continued upkeep throughout the tournament so if the fields and things are not great on day two of the tournament it's not parks and recs responsibility it's the host so i just thought that was helpful information yeah i can add to that a little bit mark after assistant director so the way tournaments operate basically we set up the fields in the morning and say there you go they're chopped they're ready play and so the determined director decide how many games are played in a row do they want to reach up do they just want to keep running and sometimes if they do nothing all day by five o'clock at night the infield's messed up the batter's boxes are messed up there's no foul lines anymore and those are the people that usually have a complaint that you know we walked on the field it was terrible um, that wasn't really something that we had control of the tournament director has control of the fields once we rent it to them unless they paid us to come back and we'd like you to chalk every four games or, yeah, most tournament directors don't do that because it costs them money. So it, it's kind of a little fallacy, especially people coming from out of town uh, that, you know, you guys don't do anything. Well, if you had the first game of the day, it looked perfect. And maybe the second game, but by the 16th game, it doesn't look perfect anymore. 
So who's John Albany board member? So in that case, whose reputation is damaged? Um, Mark Akers is the director. I would say that we take the brunt of that. But the funny thing is that the tournament directors choose not to do it. We can't make them pay us, even though we know by noon the fields probably need a touch-up. But you know, that's they're in a business to make money. So, you know, adding additional chalk or additional drag costs money. So Maryland Health Board members, so do you provide equipment that then they have to find someone to use or what's the logistics of no, the, some of the bigger tournaments will have their own equipment, their own chalk. They do this every weekend, so this is something they can do if they choose to. So traditionally, they don't request equipment. It's an option. It's always an option for us to come back midday and redrag, rechalk. Any other questions or comments regarding the baseball and softball fields? All right. Thanks for that, Mark. Uh, we can move on to number four, uh, the Lifeguard Leisure Pool Aquatics update. Uh, Lindsay, I think you'll take us on that one too. Yep. Lindsay Hart, Assistant Director. Uh, over the last few weeks, we had a uh, lifeguard training class. We were able to bring on five new lifeguards. So they're just about through the training and hiring process. So that was uh, really exciting for us. So we have five new uh, lifeguards on board. And um, we've been uh, moving forward with our uh, Tuesday leisure pool hours. And uh, just wanted to give a quick update. We will be closing, um, we do an annual cleaning every year. And so the indoor pool will be closing July 24th through August 14th. Uh, just wanted to make sure um, that was on everybody's radar. Um, we're continuing to look at ways in which we can expand those hours. And so I'm, um, I'm hopeful that by the fall, we'll be able to add some evening hours and possibly weekends to start bringing back uh, birthday party opportunities and uh, some more family time. So um, we're, we're feeling pretty good about that. And we're um, just going to see how we look after we open back up after uh, our, our scheduled cleaning. So um, continuing to make some progress there. Uh, but otherwise, the um, Pool's going great. We're, we have great attendance, and uh, it's been a great summer, hot, hot summer so far. <laughs> Mark Eckers, Assistant Director, I might add a little bit to that maintenance shutdown. So that's a three-week period where we go in into our aquatic center. We drain the pools. We go through all of the pumps, all the heaters. Basically, it gives us the opportunity to see if the equipment's functioning correctly. If you think about that, facility runs 24-7 all year long. So everything in that building, the pumps never stop running. The heaters never stop running. So, and it also gives us a chance to look at the paint at the bottom of the pools, which is really hard to do when there's water in the pools. <laughs> but we also do acid, acid washes on the deck, try to get some of the just dirt and grime off of there. And it, it's a pretty extensive cleaning slash maintenance. So everybody asks why we're down so long, but it's, it takes a long time to go through all that mechanical equipment. But for those of you that haven't been around for a while, that's kind of why we have a three week window. We don't think we have to paint this year. So if it's, we have to paint it, it goes to four weeks. So. All 
This is Marilyn Hall, board member. So is the census of lifeguards going up? Yes. Are you where you want to be or still somewhere between? I still think uh, we're, we're not to the point where we need, where we could open both pools full time, full schedule. <laughs> so again, when, before these five new lifeguards, we were comfortable with our current schedule of opening the indoor pool Tuesdays uh, in the afternoons. So adding these five lifeguards definitely gives us a few more people to work with, but still doesn't get us where we need to be. And so uh, if I remember correctly, I think in order for us to open indoor and outdoor together at the same time, I think we still need at least 20 more lifeguards. So uh, it's going up, but we're still not where you know we, we want to be. But we're we're slowly climbing up to where we want to be. Uh, Jackie Becker, Chair. Uh, Lindsay was saying that you're 20 short still. Do you feel then when the outdoor pool closes, you'll be able to have a full staff to get everything open for the fall? I would hope so. I don't know for sure, though, not knowing uh, who our, our staff is at the current time. I'm not sure if they have committed to staying on with us indoors. So I'd be happy to check with our aquatic staff and find out. I do know, though, that since they are talking about uh, adding hours and, and availability for the fall. Um, that makes me think that we're going to have some that are able to stay with us um, after the summer's over. So I'm, I'm happy to check on that though, and, and I can report back next month. Great. That would be excellent. Thanks. Uh, Marilyn Hall board member, I have another question. Um, swimming lessons. I've talked to some people in my kids' generation who have kids that don't even know that Lawrence Parks and Recreation offers swimming lessons. So what's the story on that? Has never, I mean, it used to be 20, 30 years ago, Parks and Rec was the, was the dominant provider. And I'm guessing that that's no longer the case, but kind of fill us in on how, how many swimming lessons you're giving and whether that's meeting the community. You know, and I didn't bring that with me. I know we are offering lessons. I know it's down from what we've done pre-COVID. Um, I know I know we have them available, and I'm not sure if it's just a matter of marketing or that sort of thing. And I don't know what other um, groups provide it for the community, but I know we do have them, and I know it is also another thing on our list that if we are able to add more times and availability, we definitely would. But um, again, I don't have those days and times with me. I know I reported them, I believe, last month with my update. Um, but they are being offered, that's for sure. I just don't know um, why it's it doesn't appear that we're as dominant. Um, again, I'm not sure. Derek Rogers, Director for Parks Recreation. I think the COVID piece of it, there, there was that caused a gap, I think, in some of the swim classes, and maybe that's kind of where that corporate knowledge of Parks Rec provides swim lessons. Um, I've had discussions with Roger about the impact of shutting down the pools when we started the COVID and the impact on swim lessons and part of it. Marilyn Melbourne member with if we're doing it, definitely needs to be advertising promoted on, on media that um, millennials consume, <laughs> which is not the Lord's Journal. Um, I know there are some private individuals that are offering lessons uh, in their home pools. 
Um, but I don't know, just from what I've heard, and it may or may not be correct, there's a shortage sure. of opportunities. Um, and that's something that I hope we'll prioritize going forward. Any more questions or comments from our board regarding the lifeguard leisure pool? All right. Thanks, Lindsay. Uh, let's move on to E, which is concerns and items of interest. Board. This is the board member concerns, right? Yeah, okay. <laughs> I have a little list. Um, I, I didn't bring it up during the splash splash pad discussion, but we all got that letter from Dot and Ari about the, the hump and the ADA compliance. So I wondered, will we put that on our next agenda? Just talking, because I know I have seen some things on the CIP that are down a couple of years. I'll see some sort of ADA thing. And it's like, I wondered, you know, why don't we put those all at the top or is it, or some of them less important than others? So I wondered if we could maybe have a discussion of that next time. Yeah, Derek Roger, Director of Parks and Rec. We can put that on the uh, discussion for, as an agenda item for next month. That'd be great. I just wanted to say it was, this is Val Renault still talking. <laughs> The B story was great. A lot of people don't read the journal world anymore, but we did get a really nice uh, story about the gentleman who's partnered with us. And so I was just wondering if if we get calls from people, uh, not complaints about stings, but like for information, because I tried to contact him actually after he spoke to us and he didn't respond to the email that he had given us at least. So, um, so I just wondered if, if that's a place where we can kind of provide information to people who are interested in. Yeah, uh, Derek Rogers, Director Parks Rec. He, he reaches out to me quite a bit. He's like, hey, did you read the story? Did you get yes, I did. I shared as much as I could. Initially, we had quite a few people calling, wondering what the heck are those boxes? I'm seeing the big bees and they had concerns. And that's Parks knows something. I Those were initially at the beginning. I didn't hear anything more from the public. I think everybody kind of figured out what they were when they saw the bees swarming around. So they just thought, wow, that's kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, another thing that just a, a friend brought to me that I wanted to bring up, uh, her son takes the special populations uh, summer camp every year. And her personal life was in upheaval with a lot of health issues and stuff, so she didn't get him enrolled in time. And she was asking, why don't Lawrence citizens get first, get priority on those lists? Because I guess, well, I don't know, people from Eudora want to come. I, I guess we just let them come. So I just thought I'd bring that up for her as as question. As a question or agenda. Well, I don't know if it's, is it a city policy that we, yeah, I don't, didn't think we wanted to close things just to Lawrence, um, but I didn't really know how to defend our. I, Derek Raj, Director of Parks and Recreation. I think it, if they're coming from Eudora, I think it's a city, county, if you look at how we're funded, 
Um, if they were coming from outside of Douglas County, I think it's real defensible to say there's going to be a higher charge or a priority base. Or a wait list. Okay, so that's what she was thinking. Yeah, if you're driving in from Leewood or something like that, and I, I don't see that happening to put your kids into a day camp, but it, it could be. You might work in Lawrence, and so that might be part right. of the, the rationale. Um, that's a that's a difficult one, and I don't know if that's tracked. Um, it, it might be in the family households. We would have that information in our track. Yeah, we can look into that and try to bring something Maybe back. Having a wait list for people outside of the county for X. I mean, that gets pretty complicated for the staff. I know. Yeah, and Derek Rogers, Director of Parks Recreation. Camps overall, I was looking at another email from an upset uh, parent about our camps are full. And it goes back to getting enough staff to run a camp. And the special pops is another one where um, talking to uh, Annette that they had a waiting list of five and she normally doesn't have a waiting list. Mm -hmm. So that, that's been challenging is getting enough staff to have more camps. Great, thank you. This is Marilyn Hill, board member. I have two items. Um, first is a question, are we gonna talk about Prairie Park? during your presentation. Okay, so we can leave that off till then. My other question was about um, the CIP loop projects. Um, and looking at the CIP, it looks like there are two downtown routing alternatives that both are slated for funding. And, um, or, and I was wanting to get a better understanding of what the thinking is on that. Mark Eggers is the driver. So that you're correct, there is a repetitive. So what happened, basically city staff put together a downtown segment that's been in the for quite a while. And then a resident group, so it's the Colorado River Commons group that we've all heard about. They presented a project that basically overlaps that. So one was basically categorized in this is gonna take grant funding to do the Colorado River Commons. The other one we left just running as a standard CIP. So we know one or the other won't happen. But at this point in time, we don't have a grant to do the, the bigger bridge across the river. So we didn't want to take the staff recommendation out to run something through downtown. So there's, there is a repeat in there. And we were trying to figure out, we don't want to take either one out because both are viable. And if, if there's federal funding available to do that bigger project, then we want to go after that federal funding. And it's actually probably the preferred project. But there's also, if, if we can't get grant funding, we still want to have a project that completes that section of the loop. So I noticed um, on the Cobb River Commons, I think for next year, there was 13,000 budgeted. What was that about? <laughs> The, those are kind of last minute changes. So we didn't have the design for that Colorado River Commons in the CIP. So what we did is we pulled a project out and then replaced it. And that was kind of an odd number. So what we want to do is go ahead and design that project because we can't get grants if we don't have a design. So that's why those grant dollars went in. We probably won't spend the 13,000 if it's approved. They'll probably go into the next year. 
but we need at least a conceptual design then so that we can go for grants. The $13,000 does look odd, I know that, but that was done last minute. Thank you. Now, is the city writing the grant or the group, or is it a collab, a private group? Is it a collaboration? Uh, the group that is working on grants is basically identifying grant opportunities, so they aren't writing them. Okay. So the city, or we'd have to find someone to write the grant. So that's that's the kind of the challenge right now is that they're going through and saying this might work for that and that might work for that, but it, it doesn't give us the capability of someone sitting down to write those grants. So has that Maryland Hall hasn't that been the problem? Absolutely. So this firm that's been engaged is only identifying opportunities. Correct. And they, they have a pretty wide view. So they're kind of based out of Washington, D.C. So they see a lot of the, the federal grants coming through and who's being successful with their grant applications. So they, they've been helpful in steering us to, hey, you might look at this for your skate park because people are getting funded for that. Or you might look at this for a splash pad or that trail project is similar to this in this other city. So they have a great deal of value. It's a little frustrating because they're like, okay, that's a great idea. Now who's gonna write that? So uh, that's our challenge right now, I think. And I can add, Lindsay Hart, assistant director, they, the city has the ability to pay this group extra fees for them to write it for us. Okay. But the way that it's contracted with this group right now is just strictly to help identify the grants. And so then it would be up to us if we felt we could write it or whichever department, or if it was a situation where the city wanted to have an additional contract with them, they could write it for us. But there's no money budgeted for that. Yeah, this is uh, someone from Bandy and Board member. Uh, when I think of capital improvement, I think of items that are on the capital improvements plan and items that are actually in the capital improvements budget are we is that still is that still a distinction so are we what are we talking about here are we actually talking about items that have been budgeted approved and budgeted or they're still in plan in the capital plan so this year's cip proposed by the city manager capital improvement plan the plan. So that puts the plan out with dedicated funding. So it's always good for the next calendar year. So in other words, the, the five-year plan is allocating funding for five years. So what we did a little bit different this year is there's the funded list. There's a list of projects that would only be funded if grants are allocated to them. And there's the unfunded list. So this middle section is new because there are so many federal grants floating around that we didn't want to move those to unfunded. And we didn't want to put them in funded because they, we really didn't have capability to fund them unless we get grants to match them. So that was a little bit new philosophy this year. We'll see what the city commission does with that. But there, we had a couple of projects that like the South Park splash pad. So it was in the funded, then it got fell below the line, so it went to unfunded. But there's potential for a grant for that. We can maybe look at a land and water conservation grant. So we put it in the middle section saying that it could happen if we can find grant funding to go get it. Otherwise, it's going to fall unfunded. So, yeah, if, if you talk to the accounting folks, 
they would like to say, this is the plan and that's what we're going to fund for the next five years, period, no change. The problem is everybody changes it every year and someone comes up with something that isn't on the list. So, it so it's not like we have a, a multi-year plan and then a budget that goes with the planning. The budget and the plan are integrated? They are. So if, if we just didn't change any project, it would be funded for the next five years. I see. So how does a project get in that list? Basically either submitted by staff or submitted by the public. So usually what's happening is the public are submitting new projects that aren't on the list that, hey, that's a great idea, we should do that, but it's not on the five-year plan, so it has to go out to year six. Skate park's an example. That if so when you have a five-year plan, you actually have money that is allocated to that plan? Okay. Yeah. yeah, and that's what the finance department doesn't allow. So each year they're saying there's X amount of funding available, and here's the projects we can do for five years. What happens basically is we'll resubmit this next year and go, okay, this project really came up the ladder, so we want to swap it for that one that's okay. funded. It's not an exact science, I'll tell you that. <laughs> um, Marilyn Hall, board member, I just would like to make one final comment for the record, and that is if you, if you pay an organization to identify opportunities, but you have no money budgeted to pay people to write the grants, that seems to me to be a glaring flaw in the budget process as it's currently done. Um, and I guess I would wonder, like, what's the value of having someone identify opportunities if there's no capacity to write the grants? Marilyn, I just wanted to add to that too. My, I was going to question if there was a staff member on Parks and Rec that has the skill set to do grant writing, um, because that was my concern too, what Marilyn just brought up. I didn't understand why do you look for those opportunities when you don't have the funding or anybody's skill to be able to write the grants. Eric Rogers, Director of Parks Recreation. Some of it in that may not necessarily be the skill to write the grants, but I think we do have people that are skilled enough to write the grants. It's what do you want us not to do with capacity to explore writing the grants? And that's part of the, the concern. And I support grants as a department all over the place. Of, I can give you a support letter if you're a nonprofit and you want to write this grant. I'll support it all the way. If you get the grant, we'll manage the grant. I just, as a department, we don't have a, the capacity to do that. That being said, I don't know if you're going to bring up in your report. I, she's got something very interesting to bring up about grant writing. And so we got a, one of the staff got a fantastic grant opportunity for, for summer camps. So we do have some capacity. I think we're going to get there as Roger's communication events group comes on, we're starting to get more capacity. Um, so there, there's going to be opportunity, but I think it's going to be like a sponge. It's going to fill with water real quick and then we'll be at capacity again. But, but I, Marilyn, I agree with your, your thoughts. I'm thinking we could, we're excellent at identifying grants. We're not so good at following through and getting them written and, and winning the bid or getting the grant approved. 
Amber Nickel board member, but it would be possible if a nonprofit provided a volunteer, like would the city allow a volunteer or person to? Derek Rogers, director for Parks and Rec. In a lot of ways, it is volunteer. So we'll have somebody from Friends of the Call or a different organization come through and go, hey, we got this grant opportunity. We have identified. Would you support us? And I'll turn around and say, I'll give you a letter of support. We can do this mission. I may or may not have the budget to fund it. And they go, okay, we got the, the initial funding to get this started to submit the grant. It's got to be submitted by the city. I went, okay, we can do that. Gotcha. And if you win it, we'll manage it. We'll help you out. Mark Eckers, Assistant Director. I might add, we've been very successful in the past. We've done a lot of grants with trails. We've done playground grants. We've done uh, the Sunflower Foundation used to fund a number of our projects and mostly trails. But yeah, you know, we've been very targeted in our applications. Once we felt like we were pretty high success rate. Uh, the Friends of Oak Hill got a, a grant from community grant for historic preservation. So there, it happens more often than you think that. Yeah, some of the bigger ones like land and water conservation, those are a little harder to write and a little more detailed in scope. So that those are the ones we have difficulty just dedicating enough time to just sit down and somebody go through them and say, let's try that. This is Pat Phillips, board member. I had um been approached by Loring, who um, is the director of DARE, which is the drop-in center downtown. He had asked if um, Parks and Rec were going to give any passes, poll passes for their guests. That I guess in the past that has happened. So I, I said I would just bring that to our meeting. Derek Rogers for Parks and Recreation. I've seen requests from United Way and some other agencies, and we have given out passes. I I'm not aware. Lauren hadn't contacted me. He may or may not have contacted staff, but I will pass that on. And thanks for letting us know. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Any other concerns or items of interest from our board? Oh, this is John Albany, board member. Um, I'd like to. Uh, I'd like to encourage them to explore a, uh, a small event uh, about the uh, Outdoor Aquatic Center, its history, uh, basically what's on the kiosk out there, but actually bringing to people's attention in a more explicit way that, in fact, that's, that Aquatic Center is not as old as I think people assume. And that, and that we need to we need to know what preceded it. I mean, we do know what preceded it, but if we could have some of the African American community, some of the elders, to actually speak to their experiences, um, and maybe uh, get with the get with Watkins Museum. And then uh, maybe Gail can put on some, you know, an hour hour event at the at the uh, outdoor aquatic center, 
and invite you know invite the public, or maybe even have it at the library. That might be that might be, be a lot cooler. Good <laughs> way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So is that okay? Would I be okay if I explored that? Dark Garage Parks Recreation, I, I think that's great. And I could see Watkins wanting to take the lead on something like that. And we'd be glad to partner and okay. do something. Any other last thoughts, comments? Okay. Well, we can move on to the park, uh, the, the parks and facility update from Mark Hecker. I'm Mark Hecker, Assistant Director of Parks and Rec. I wanted to update you on a few of the CIP projects we have going. So we did get commission approval to do ADA improvements on the YC complex. So that's a series of sidewalks and parking that will interconnect some of those fields in a way they should have been done many years ago. So that was about a $250,000 upgrade that'll happen, hopefully before the soccer season starts this fall. Um, another one is the Eagle Bend Golf Course. We're replacing the irrigation pump station. This has been a project that's been kind of moving through the process slowly for about the last two years. Um, we're having a lot of issues with that system not functioning properly. So that's a $750,000 pump station, which is kind of silly. We're going to spend that much money and no one will ever see it. But, <laughs> it, uh, it does run the whole golf course. So uh, that one's one we're kind of anxious to get done. Let's put it that way. So we're hoping we'll get through the summer with the current station. And uh, the Broken Arrow Park shelter, we're in the process of designing that shelter to be a year-round shelter. So we're working with an architect to do, and I'll bring some pictures maybe next time, but um, it's kind of cool the way it's looking. We're basically blazing on, on three sides with roll-up doors, and we're looking at, at doing different types of seating inside instead of picnic tables. But, so that will be one that hopefully we'll do by this fall and make that a year-round shelter. We're replacing the restroom of the park too. So we're basically taking out what's there and putting a new system in. Uh, the parklet ordinance for downtown Lawrence hopefully is going to the commission next week. We're still working on writing the ordinance and the administrative policies. Um, as we go through this, the more people we talk to, the more questions there are. So um, I think it'll basically take to the commission and see if they want to continue with a permanent part of the system and then what's the charges for that. So that's hopefully next week. And we're still writing the resolution. Um, Lions Park, we're working on the spray park over there. Have a meeting at 7 o'clock with the North, North Lawrence Neighborhood Association. So meeting with the architect, starting to pick out some of the spray features that we want to put in that park. And then we also sent out an RFP for a playground. So the playground will be about $140,000 improvement over there. We hope to do those side by side and design to kind of work together. So that's our plan. So hopefully the playground bids and the spray park bids work within budget. And then we can pull that whole thing off here this fall. Hopefully you can probably have it running by next spring, honestly. Those are big ticket items, but other than that, it's we're in the heat of summer and trying to keep the grass mowed and the waters or flowers watered. So you and me both. Yeah. 
Uh, Jackie Becker, Chair Mark with Lions Park. I'm assuming the fields will remain the same and we're just going to do those additions on the other side of the park. Yeah, Mark Becker, Assistant Director. So if you go there now, where the playground is, is where the spray park will be. And then the playground will shift towards the parking lot. So the, the sidewalk will kind of change. Then eventually the, the shelter will get replaced and approximately in the same spot. So it's basically taking up that footprint that's currently the playground shelter. So everything east of the um, parking lot. So it shouldn't impact the ball lines at all. Great, thank you. Um, Amber Nickel, board member, I'll just say that I was out playing pickleball a couple Saturdays ago and the courts are awesome Good. and very busy. <laughs> so it's fun. Good. Any other comments or questions for Mark regarding parks and facilities? All right. Uh, I know Lindsay Hart sent an attachment, but uh, anything else you'd like to comment on for your recreation report? Yeah, Lindsay Hart, assistant director, just wanted to mention one more thing Derek alluded to a minute ago, but um, we actually were just awarded a grant. Um, our new recreation operations manager, Kent Reddick, applied for uh, the Child Care Aware Grant, which supports licensed uh, summer camps. And um, we qualified and we received $18,000 um, and it covers the cost of staff and supplies. And that was actually for the month of June. And so we are actually applying again um, and we do qualify for another 18,000 for the month of July. So we will hopefully be getting that check by the end of the month. So that's really exciting. And again, there, you know, I think there's some opportunities out there for us that we can start, um, you know, smaller ones that are, are, you know, less time consuming and easy to fill out. I think there are some opportunities out there that we're going to continue to uh, try to keep an eye on and, and apply for things like that when we can. So we're very excited about that. It's great. Congrats. Yeah, thank you. So that goes to the summer camps. Mm -hmm. So does that free up money to go somewhere else or does it just let us do more camps or? It, it just covers the classes. We actually had that conversation and I'm not sure of the logistics of the way that the city accepts grant funds, but uh, the idea and the, the stipulations of the grant is that it does cover the, the supplies and the staffing costs. Um, so I'm not sure we're able to, to move <laughs> money that we otherwise would spend to um, enrich the program. Right, yeah. exactly. <laughs> but for next year, I'm applying for these grants, then that, that we can be a little more proactive. Yeah. Well, I love it. More lifeguards and more grants. That's a great thing, Lindsay. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, moving on to Roger Steinbrock's communications and event section. Uh, Derek Rogers, director for Parks and Recreation. Um, Roger is doing well, but he caught a virus and is out today, tomorrow, but he's fine. Um, I'll provide his update and uh, Stephen can help me out if I miss anything. Um, see, we did a recap with the Juneteenth um, group kind of an after action type wash, what went well, what didn't go well on their event and how we can do better next year. Uh, overall, I think the event went really well for the public and for the organizers. And they're looking for a bigger event next year. 
Uh, we still need to do a hot wash for the uh, Pride Parade. Um, I didn't come down for that. I probably should have. It sounded like they had approximately 2,500 people walking down the sidewalks. <laughs> probably not a good use of a parade down the sidewalk. <laughs> Next year, we're planning the street. Um, and so that's something we'll have to look at is how many people do we allow for a parade just on the sidewalk? At what point do you say, now you got to go somewhere else? Looking at the zombie walk, that's kind of a different thing where usually it's in the evening, it's not during the day, it's restaurants, retail's closed, I don't know on the numbers. I've been down there and I've seen the zombie walk. Um, I think that one works okay on the sidewalk, on the sidewalks, but I think that's something we'll just as a city staff as a whole with law enforcement we'll need to talk about. Uh, what's coming up in the future? Uh, Stephen, correct me if I'm wrong on any of the dates. Picking and Fiddlin, August 28th. 28th. Yep. Um, we have the Arts and Crafts, which is Parks and Rec, September 11th. And then we have Art in the Park. Test your memory here. <laughs> it's like the following week or the second week after. Yeah, it's right in that same area. Uh, because the, the downtown sale will probably be the 10th. The sidewalk sale. Yeah. yeah. And then we'll have Art in the Park, which I, I think is by the third week of September. Don't hold me to that. And then October 1st is the Hot Rod Hullabaloo. It goes by different names. Um, that's pretty much of an update. We also have a, a new staff member that will be working with Stephen and Roger, Abby. Um, she'll be starting July 17th, next Monday. Sure. Any questions or comments? Marilyn Hall, board member. So, Stephen, you've moved into communications role? Yes. So, I am now one of the two new uh, marketing and events coordinators. Um, so, getting our feet under us and uh, figuring that out. Um, it's been a good transition so far. And so, yeah, looking forward to having Abby join us next week and uh, see what we can get done. Maybe, uh, maybe some outdoor aquatics information, get an event going for that. So, um, yeah, I think that'd be a great project to work on if we can get everybody moving around. And um, I've got a phone and a computer and <laughs> and an office, so there we go. Yeah, all I need. <laughs> so feel free to yeah call or uh, send me emails with any questions, and I'll try and get those routed to the correct place. Val Renault board member. One one thing I didn't bring up because it's been on the back burner so long. And now that you're here and Addie's coming, that I think we may be able to get back to it is a, a sponsorship committee. Um, and there are three or four of us who have volunteered to, to work on that. And we did work with Roger on that several years ago, pre-COVID, you know, everything. So um, we want to get back to that. And I think you know, you and Addie will probably be important people in that um, helping Roger <laughs> and help us. Lindsay Hart, assistant director. I'm I'm trying to get that started internally as well. So I've been working with Kent and Annette, and we've met a few times to review our current policy and try to get a handle on what we've had in the past. And so I know we're kind of trying to get 
coordinated with Roger and, and kind of getting a handle on what we have. And I know, for example, Dick's Sporting Goods has been a sponsor for us in the past for our um, sports programs. And uh, we're getting in touch with them to try to get them back on board um, for uh, a sponsorship. And so um, I think together we can figure out, you know, who needs to be on the team. And uh, But it's definitely on our list and something that we're um, actively talking about and, and trying to make sure we don't let it Great. Thanks. Jackie Becker, Chair. So, uh, Stephen and Abby, do you have similar jobs or do you have like different titles or how is that working? Is just people under Roger that are finally helping Roger or how does how does that work? Yes. So we have the same title. Uh, we would be. Um, equal, uh, interchangeable, <laughs> um, and we'll work as a team, kind of each taking assignments as they come in, uh, but generally, yeah, uh, approaching projects as a group, uh, Roger, Abby, and I. Terry Frederick, Director of Parks Recreation. That part of what I've been talking to Roger about, too, is getting the uh, communications piece, the IAP2 training for Abby and Stephen. So we can uh, do more of our public engagements internally. So, for example, we need to have a, a discussion and a public forum for the water tower park, and for some other projects that the city has just been uh, woefully understaffed with people that are trained. We lost Josh Carson's, who is uh, uh, the public affairs for MSO that was trained. Uh, Porter staff, he's trying to get up to speed, but. I think this would be a great addition, not only for Parks and Rec, but at the city as a whole to have that training so we can do uh, better public engagements. That's really exciting. I, I think you know I'm a huge proponent of public engagement and making sure we're uh, listening to the needs of our community and building things correctly and, and filling things that we need to. So it's exciting to hear. Thanks. Stephen, who is uh, taking over the do we have someone then over at the uh, rec center now or who's who moved into that position? We did not have anyone in there. Uh, in, we didn't replace that immediately uh, when I left. So that's still going through the hiring process at this point. All right. We'll look forward to working with you. Any other comments for uh, Stephen? <laughs> All right, and uh, Roger, I hope you get to feeling better too if you're listening today. Uh, this moves on to uh, Derek Rogers uh, with the director's report. I know we have Derek a lot Rogers. to talk about. <laughs> uh, Director of Parks Recreation, I'll start off with uh, something that uh, should be on the July 19th is the vertical ramp uh, donation acceptance. Um, the goals get that on there as, um, as just a consent agenda item from the Lawrence Skate Association. To accept that donation, they go ahead and buy the um, the ramp, and they've been working with park staff on location and all that piece. So it's a big one. Um, raise your hand if you read the budget. I, did everybody read the St. Andrews budget? I know. So I, I can I can go over this again. I know Prairie Park's going to be uh, very important, so I'm going to start with the other stuff first. I think we're going to spend a lot of time on the Prairie Park. I think Perry Park is very important. The people are very important. It meets our sustainability. Um, but I do want to go through the history and, and why we're, this budget is 
in a way, a crisis budget is not what you want to deal with. I think it's been a long time since we've had a budget like this. So I'm going to go through some of the notes uh, real quick to explain how we got to where we are. And let me just start off. The recommended budget is $437 million. Uh, includes a flat mill levy rate. Does not or does exceed the revenue neutral rate. There are fee increases proposed in parks recreation as well as fire and medical. And uh, along with uh, increases identified to utilities. The budget nearly meets the goal of eliminating a structural deficit in the general fund, which was identified by the, in the adoption of the 2022 budget. This is the second year operation. I can't say that. The city strategic plan. How's that? Okay. Three key features of the city manager's recommended budget. First, the budget eliminates over $10 million of structural deficit. When we first started looking at it, it was like $21 million. Second, the budget protects. What is, what is structural deficit? I think that's based on um, what we were projecting initially, based on property tax and sales tax intakes. So the good news is we've gotten healthier as we go into this budget. So we've gone from $21 million to approximately $10 million where we started the budget. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, Mark, on the structural piece of it. Yeah, basically that our expenses were projected higher than our revenue. So. Yeah. one or something. The budget projects all significant critical services while calling for reducing some services in areas with the lowest level of alignment with the strategic plan, particularly in parks and recreation. These reductions are accomplished without any layoffs of existing staff. Um, the next steps of July 19th, the State Commission will ask to establish the mill levy rate, give a notice of intent to exceed the revenue neutral rate and authorize the publication of both the public hearing to exceed revenue neutral rate and the 2023 budget public hearing. So we really got, like Mark was saying earlier, until about August 23rd for this process. The public is encouraged to participate in the budget process by attending the city commission meetings or by submitting written testimony to the city clerk's agendas or ks.org. Okay. So why, did, why are we where we are with this year's budget? The preliminary direction of the city commission was to propose the elimination of the structural deficit with a budget that could sustain without property or sales tax increases. This budget nearly meets the goal with a proposed de deficit in the general fund at the end of 2023 of $878,000. Okay, so if there's good news here, it's right here. This was accomplished largely due to growth in property tax and sales tax with <coughs> exceeded expectations. So these are, this year's numbers were getting better. So as a budget director, Jeremy was having to project out worst case to keep it balanced. And so that's good news. Uh, the city also worked with a lot of uh, outcome teams participated of insight workshops to look at ways to generate new revenues or pre-up and reallocate resources. Most recently, the city's executive leadership team participated in a multi-day retreat 
to continue work on developing a consensus how to best align resources to support our strategic plan. And all that work is culminated in this process, um, which eliminates over $9 million of structural deficit, protects all significant critical uh, services. So getting in the parks and rec, the increases, which will include based on this proposed recommended city manager's budget, um, nearly 30% increase. We're responsible for $1.2 million across the board. That was based on $4.5 million revenue. So add 1.2 to that. So you're looking at potential fee increases, aquatics, cemeteries, other facility fees, program fees, memberships, sponsorships, et cetera. Memberships weren't considered in the 1.2 million, but if that is the direction that the commission wants us to, to go down, then we will explore uh, memberships at our facilities. Uh, I think we have uh, a lot to consider. We have um, work that the advisory board's done. We have equity and inclusion director. We have legal. We have new people on our recreation staff that actually have experience with memberships. The sponsorships wasn't part of that 1.2 million, but definitely could be. And um, I think the city manager, we sat down with a group and we discussed budget. And the city manager said, in my 30 years of submitting budgets, um, he goes, everyone has been adjusted by a city commission. So there's things that the city commission goes, we wanna see more of this or less of this. We don't wanna see that at all, or we wanna see this. So that's where we are and how the process works. Um, along with these fee increases, a lot of it goes to the, the cost. Right now we have over 700 part-time employees, approximately 80 full-time. We have adjusted our fee our, uh, our wages for the full-time over the last two years. And this budget year, we'll also use ARPA funds to bring our rate of pay up to market, which by pure luck just coincidentally went with the highest inflation we've seen in 40 years. So that kind of kept us almost even. We got lucky as a city, but it, it goes to the taking care of people. And that's where the ARPA funds and rescue funds have gone these last couple of years. Our part-time wages though, in some cases have gone up 50%. Uh, parks, parks and Rec maintenance, 16, $18 an hour. It was down around 11 or 12, not too long. Um, and, and still to attract people. So you go back to the great resignation of individuals and we have people that one reason or another decide they don't need to work right now. Um, so that's, that's a challenge. We would love to do more. And the other thing to note here is you're potentially gonna say, okay, I'm gonna pay 30% more, which is covering wages, commodities, fuels, inflation, everything else. You would think, well, my service level is going to get, I'm going to get the full swimming pool now. I'm going to have the leisure pool and the laps. Our goal with this budget is to stay where we are, maybe get better, but it may still mean that we don't have enough resources that we can maintain service levels. They may need to be adjusted. Okay. Let me go through the, the quick highlights. Um, Jeremy and the finance director will talk about this tomorrow night in the work session. Um, he's 
his assumptions is he's planning for a possible recession, which could definitely happen. The highest rate of inflation is, that we've seen in four years. The Federal Reserve has aggressively been increasing interest rates. There's been supply chain disruptions. There's things that we just can't get. Playgrounds is a great example and other equipment. Uh, we talked about the great resignation. Okay. Oh, I didn't mention as part of that, the fee increases. We've also increased the scholarship program. Normally we'd planned for 30,000, we went to $55,000. And that's to uh, add additional resources for the, for the vulnerable financially. Um, it is cost recovery. I would say during the uh, past two years, our goal has been health and wellness and safety of the community. It hadn't been revenues and cost recovery. Coming out of the closures, we are now in the point of we're going to have to start recovering higher amounts of money in the revenues. Uh, expenditure reductions. Um, as part of that, recommended budget is closing the Prairie Park Nature Center. It's a net decrease of $337,000. The key points there is while those jobs would be eliminated. We will take care of the people and we will find them jobs. The other thing is our goal is 100% rehoming of all animals. So if this budget's adopted, this is our plan. The question would be, could environmental and sustainability programs be taught anywhere or does it have to be in that facility? Um, those are programs, these people are, are programmers, even though they have a, a biology degree or a, environmental studies degree or what have you, they can teach that. They are programmers. They do programming all the time with uh, camps. Um, one question was brought up earlier. The park would stay a park as parts of park and recreation. Um, other things that um, were cut across the city were vacant uh, positions to help pay the bills. One of those positions was uh, a recreation programmer position that is vacant at the current time. Uh, there are other ones around the city. One was a legal analyst position and some others. Uh, another um, recommendation was convert some annual flowers, perennials or native uh, plants for a savings of $65,000. What am I missing before I open it up to discussion? <laughs> Thank you, got it all. Okay. The position is the East Lawrence Center position. So you asked about that earlier, so that would be the position. That was a full time. I hope so. It's been a couple of years. So, two questions uh, before I. Mark and Lindsay are better at priority based budgeting, which is part of, granted, with the strategic plan. Prairie Park Nature Center was a tier four program, which was the lowest one. One of the top tiers of parks and recreation is open space and rec uh, outdoor recreation areas, trails, things like that. Rec programmer was a tier three. And I think that is why that was also on the, on the uh, cut list. With that, I'll open it up to uh, comments, questions. Uh, John Nelbandian, a board member, I have a couple of questions. Uh, first, there are comments. And questions. Um, that confusion by those two guests 
about Prairie Park Nature Center versus the park itself. We have to be very clear on that communication because um, that park is really cool. I mean, walking those trails and, and then things that could be done to highlight the uh, signage out there. It could, we could really, in a way, take advantage of, of this. But that need, needs to be uh, clarified. The second is the reference to the rankings in quartiles. Um, I assumed that that was like a retreat of city staff where that was done. I'll let Mark answer that better. He's been with the priority based budgeting and can probably explain it better than I can. Yeah, so what's happened that we've transitioned a lot of our, our what used to be divisional budgets into program budgets. So you'll see like adult sports and youth sports are merged into one budget now. Golf operations, golf maintenance are merged into one budget. Once we merged into those program sets, then those programs ran through priority based budgeting. To identify how well they aligned with the strategic plan. So who did who actually did the ranking? Staff did it, and then there was a review committee. So internal staff first, okay. then a review committee that looked across each segment. So a review committee made up of the city as a whole. Other staff that aren't in the department. In your department. So no, we we ranked them the way we thought they were, and then they went to an independent person that looked at okay, how does equity inclusion look across the whole city, all programs. So you'd have the equity inclusion director looking at everyone, saying yes, no, yes, that's right. So, okay, but the original rankings and the one that put this in the fourth quartile, that was internal. No, so that through the review process, it went to the fourth quartile. So how did it align to the strategic plan? So it, it's, it's been I'm trying, to get a, I'm trying to get an idea of who, I don't mean names or anything, but I mean, were these rankings done by a representative group of the city as a whole? Yes. Okay, that's what I think. Really and, and it was deep, it's staff, not just. Sorry, no, not all yeah. staff members. So it was yeah. an internal ranking. Right. It was not a community no, no, engagement no, no, no. or ranking. I got that. So our quartile, the fourth quartile, was three of our programs fell in the fourth quartile. Okay. Golf course, cemeteries, and nature center. So golf course basically self-supported with fees. So the, there was no real savings in cutting that. Cemeteries we have to do by regulation. So center, nature center was the one that you could look at as, you know, is that one one that is highly needed in, in this process. So that's you are not you as a staff are not violently opposed to what's being proposed here. I mean you like to see it differently, but you the process itself you feel was legitimate. Democratic Director of Parks Recreation. I think the process is legitimate. There's a city staff with the parameters that were given to the city staff of here's your box. Yeah. And at some point if you don't use priority-based budgeting and you say everything is yeah. a priority, then nothing's a priority. And, and that's where it gets difficult. And so granted, say fire department, police department, planning and development services are looking at our programs. We're also looking at their programs. Yeah. And so if you look at that, I think there's three of five firefighter positions may go away and police positions vacancies go away. It, this budget touches everybody. Does it touch Parks and Rec more? 
Yes. It goes back to the, the letter though, what's a critical service? Yeah. Okay, one other one other um, observation question. Uh, since uh, the proposal is that fees, program program fees, which I assume is you know the program that Gail does, some of that or the seniors, so on and so forth. I really think it's important to keep track of attendance and keep track of before and after if this is done. We need to, I mean, these are you know, seniors in our community with the with Gail's Gail's work. I mean, we need to know whether or not those programs are going to be as robust as they are now. So, so. Uh, Derek Rogers, Director of Parks and Recreation. So as we looked at the scholarships, so we have we folks, but we're also looking at and trying to develop a an ageless scholarship program. So regardless of your age, uh, there's an opportunity for say some of the seniors that work with Gail, for example, or that golf or, or do whatever. They may not be alive, yeah. but there's something to not deny somebody that is economically challenged an opportunity. Okay. I have a question around that, Amber Nickel, board member. Historically, are all scholarship funds used? With, well, we have left, we will run out of scholarship funds in about a year and a half. And this year we went from program for 30 to 55,000. So we will make it through part of next year. Our program has been more donations and bake sales, kind of like the school districts, mm -hmm. raising money. Um, and then today we'll end up probably having to plug it in to a special rec fund like uh, Lawrence Art Center as a dedicated scholarship program. So if you look at our metrics, it says 100% of the scholarships are awarded. Of those people that apply, they got a scholarship. Church yeah. Maryland Hall board member, we, we don't know how many people self-selected out because they didn't think they could afford it and maybe didn't know about the scholarship program or for whatever personal reasons didn't want to apply. Those are the people I'm worried about. So, but getting back to John's point, um, so staff, you're basically saying that you support this recommendation of closing Curry Park Nature Center? Based on the parameters given the city that was in the city manager's budget, if you look at what's in the proposal, yes, support it, and much more support fees over cutting positions and losing people. Um, if we do not bring in the fees, and I think we're behind on the cost recovery, um, go buy a loaf of bread, go do something in the grocery store and look at our programs. We have not kept up, but that hadn't been our goal, but yes. And over to North Lawrence. Have fun. Thanks. This is Phillips. Oh, go ahead, Marilyn. There's significant opposition to closing the Prairie Park Major Center. I just looked at the city commission's agenda today and there were maybe 50 letters and maybe there'll be double or triple of that. Um, wondering how 
you respond to that groundswell of opposition? Derek Rogers, Director of Parks and Recreation. I really don't feel as a department we need to. Whatever the commission gives us for a budget, we will work with to provide the services to the community. Um, city managers recommend a budget, goes to the city commission, gets presented to the city commission, and now it becomes the city commission's budget. The budget that Parks and Rec submits the city manager isn't. Um, yeah, so it, it's a process. So that it'll go through the process. Um, the city commission has many options on what they want to do with the budget. What would be the timetable for closure? January 1st is the recommended closure. That being said, to place an animal, let's say an eagle, an eagle that can't fly through the federal parks, U.S. Parks and Wildlife Service, takes probably five to six months as an educational bird trying to find a home. So we would probably be longer than that, trying to get those, those animals rehomed. There are some of those animals that would be really easy to get rehomed. Um, if this proposal recommended budget is accepted for that option or with that option. Do you know if the city would consider some kind of public-private partnership that would allow the facility to be open on a part-time basis for the public. Like let's say there's a pre preschool goes in there and operates Monday through Thursday, and then Friday through Sunday, it's open to the public or Friday and Saturday. Is there anyone in the city that's investigating um, creative ways to sustain this um, type of programming and this type of place? I think the programming can be sustained. Salaries, I want to say, was around $287,000. It's people, it's two and a half full-time positions and 10 to 12 part-time positions. Feeding them and care of the animals is probably the rest of the budget, facility and utilities. Uh, if the city commission's direction is to do that, I think that's, that's a great opportunity. Um, I think so. Like Mark said, I want to say August 23rd is the completion. We're just getting started into the public engagement and the, uh, the next phase of the recommended budget. And uh, is it clear what, what the people who are concerned about it, the closure? Uh, is, it, is it clear what? That they value most about that place. I mean, is it the programming? Is it the exhibits? What what is it? I mean, I scanned the letters. Yeah. And it's all of the above. Cool. Because the programming can be duplicated. I mean, that's that that might minimize some of the opposition, but the which, you know, the animals can. Well, then they've done some specific camps out there oh. based around what's available at the facility. Uh, Those would be hard, might be hard to replicate. And Derek Rogers, Director of Parks Recreation. So some of those camps, I think it's still go there. It's, it's an archery camp. It's a naturalist style of camp. I think those camps would still go on. No different than, yeah, the 
uh, state of Kansas doing camps on the north side of the lake. They don't have a facility. They do have some small animals in their uh, snakes and herpetology in their one building. But I think a lot of the camps can be replicated. Can the animals be replicated? And that answer would be no. Well, three, three D printing. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, just some what they do at Prairie Park Nature Center has been phenomenal over the years, and uh, visitations. Um, I think Marty had tracked in pre-COVID. I think it was 2019, 54,000 visits, 55,000 visits, which included probably 10,000 between her programs and classes. A lot of those visits are well outside our county. They come from Missouri, they come from everywhere else, they come from school buses because they come for a free zoo <laughs> and some of the nature stuff. Um, so if there is a membership, you know, what would be the fee for a kid to come through and would there be a, a difference? Um, could they charge out of county? And in my opinion, I think the city commission, in my opinion, would support a fee for uh, a busload of kids coming. You know, we've talked about this before. Could we charge for something like that instead of uh, Marty and staff at Prairie Park don't know it's coming and we get three school bus kids and they're just overwhelmed and they're trying to teach classes. Um, so a lot of a lot of great ideas uh, from the staff too. This is Pat Phelps, board member. When you talk about those great ideas, Derek, um, is there a time to be able to present that to see if that it could increase some revenue from that facility? And Derek Rogers, director of Parks and Recreation. I think that the city manager's recommended budget is set. And then they get presented in the work session tomorrow, the city commission. And so I think until that's submitted and we get direction from the city commission on what their expectations, I think the budget's the budget at this point, the recommended budget going to the city commission. So I'm not an expert on budget. <laughs> so. Uh, this is Pat Phillips again. Um, I had another question regarding fees. I know you made reference to increasing fees for some of the programs, the aquatics. Um, does that also, um, the fees include looking at people paying a fee to even use the facility? Is that under that as well? Greg Rogers, Director of Parks and Recreation. So if you looked at aquatics, I think an entry level now is five dollars to enter. Go to the six fifty at thirty percent, and adult would go from six to eight dollars, roughly, or seven eighty. Um, if the city commission uh, recommends, which wasn't in this budget of the one point two, that we should do memberships and explore it, then we will do exploring and memberships. But at this point, the recommended budget, with what we had discussed with staff, that we all said looking at priorities and, and what we're doing, memberships um, wasn't part of that 1.2 that was submitted. So could we raise funds off the of memberships? And what would that amount be is something we'd have to explore. Uh, what could we get off sponsorships, which also wasn't part of that 1.2? And 
then it would go to field expenses. You know, you rent a field going up 30%, you play golf goes up 30%. Your um, swim lane rental may go up 30, would go up 30%. Um, a class program, until we will catch up on our cost recovery uh, software, um, this should get us pretty close in line. This is uh, John Nobendu, one more just observation. Um, I am very surprised that the city commission has not asked our board for the, our response and recommendation. I'm not going to advocate it, but <laughs> you know, I mean, it's sort of like, well, we are an advisory board to the commission, and they haven't asked them. Well, that's their business. Derek Rogers, Parks Recreation. Just my opinion, the going forward with whatever happens with the city commission and their recommendations, I have a feeling that Parks Rec Works will be very busy. <laughs> I don't know, board members. So basically, you have to come up with 1.2 million in, in additional revenue. And will it be up to the department to decide come up with a plan for doing that or will this sit or, or how is this i mean are we, are we definitely raising all aquatics fees by 30 percent this and that everything by 30 percent or are we going to have some opportunity to um weigh the, the costs and benefits and affordability and come up with a plan that represents the values of the community and Derek Rouch, Director of Parks and Recreation. The proposal was presented by Parks and Rec as part of this budget at 30% across the board to do the fee increases and with the boost in the scholarships to help address the financially challenged, the vulnerable. Um, the cost recovery is based on the cost recovery pyramid but with our all of our additional fees, we haven't captured that at all. That hadn't been our been our focus for these last two years. Uh, the other question is that was based on our revenue of four point five million dollars. Um, I'm not sure we'll make that this year, four point five million dollars. So that may mean actually more money that we're going to have to uh, come up with in revenue. And realizing too, also supply and demand. But to, to get back to my question, who decides the details of all this revenue generation? Who decides or what's, how did it get well, decided? Well, as staff said, 30% across the board, we're not going to consider the values of some things over others or who uses this facility versus who uses that facility. If we go down the same memberships, then that might be a possibility. Do you say there's a higher membership fee for Sports Pavilion Lawrence over the community building? If you're talking overall, uh, if it was to raise fees, to be fair and equitable and based on inflation, it was roughly 30% at every program, everything we do in Parks and Rec. You rent a shelter, 30%. You pay rent, you rent the Carnegie building, you rent the golf course, and as a tenant, 30%. Knowing that there will be attrition and 
you're never going to get 30%. You may end up with 20, 21%, which is going to be as close to that number. Yeah, I think you're going to have a full scale revolt on your hand if you raise, uh, you know, an admission to the swimming pools by 30% in one year. Derek Rogers, Director of Parks and Recreation. And that's why in the submission letter, to be fully transparent, they needed to put that in the transmission letter about aquatics. Cemetery fees go up 30%, and they're still going up every year. So you're going to add another $300 to that. Around a golf would go up ten dollars um, around roughly. Some of that may compare to market rate. Some places um, our cost recovery may be lower than market rate. Um, a great example is our summer camps. Um, our summer camps may be ninety to one hundred dollars a week. Uh, Johnson County is one thirty-five to one fifty a week. So we know for a fact we've been way low in our pricing for many years. So, Amber Nickel board member, just curious if the answer does become sponsorships and now it's the Amber Nickel downtown pool. How quickly can that get turned around, especially like if legal's been holding on? You know what I mean? We haven't gotten the naming through legal. So would it even be an answer if, if somebody would sponsor the, the sponsorship Prairie Park? Policy, I think, is approved. I need Roger to answer that, but I think we got the naming rights in there. If you wanted to spend $100,000 and or whatever it would be, the rename Sports Pavilion Lawrence, the Amber Nichols mm -hmm. um, facility. To your point, Marilyn, just thinking about this, let's say the commission, and again, a lot of this recommended budget is going to be impacted by what happens, but let's say the commission goes, we don't want fees going up 30% everywhere. We want you to go do memberships and sponsorships. So that could be impacting. Mm -hmm. But we know for a fact or we haven't kept up with inflation. No, no, no. I'm not, I'm not objecting to fee increases because I think we probably need them across the board. What I'm objecting to is an across the board. 30% without consideration of the populations impacted. So you're saying, could we do not increase aquatics, but increase golf or something? 50% increase aquatics by 10% and increase something else by 40%. So we'll hold the children's fee down and you know. So what do we do for aquatics now? We discount $30,000 in swim fees. So we give United Way so many thousands of dollars, a dollar fifty entry fees. Those entry fees would go up for the for the nonprofits to give them away to two dollars instead of a dollar fifty. So we're still addressing that need of the community by expanding what we give to the vulnerable. Yeah, well, I'm sorry, but I'm, I'm familiar with that and the way that um, money comes through the Douglas County Community Foundation to help support that. The way those passes have been distributed in the past is through nonprofits who only have contact with 
the people that they serve. They don't have contact with all members of the, you know, low-income community in Lawrence. So um, I guess, I guess, let me boil it down to this. I would like to, to know if this advisory board would be interested in or willing to go on the record with the commission saying that um, we would like to be involved in considering how this revenue increase will be implemented. Is that something that others would support? Uh, Jackie Becker, Chair, I know independently as myself, I am absolutely on board with you with that consideration. Derek, is that something that we can request the City Commission? And Derek Rogers, Director of Parks and Recreation, I, I think that's definitely something that you guys could, could do. This is John Nobandian. I don't think we need Parks and Recreation. We don't need City Commission's approval for that. All we need is Derek to say, yeah, you can respond. We would like to work with you. You can help us out. Yeah. Anything you can do for us to help make this more equitable and efficient is is of value. No, no. I just want to make sure it gets framed in the public as the department needs to come up with this amount of revenue increase and not report it in the news as we're cutting thirty percent across the board. That's good. Or not cutting. Adding. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, I would. Yeah, yeah, it would be nice to the cut and still have everything. I mean, yeah. There's equity problems all over this that, um, and I, I think it it is important to having community engagement and considering how different programs and populations are impacted. Val Renault, board member, I, I agree with Marilyn because I think I'm sure the city commission just says, give us 30%. We don't care where you take it from, but I think it's important, you know, for us to mention those goals and that that's part of what's driving us and wanting to know where these increases are being made. Uh, you know, John Delbany, board member, I do want to make uh, a friend who has lived all over the country <laughs> and in Mexico. <laughs> And he's living here now, and he says to me, he goes to the community center with Waze, and, he, and he's been at the sports complex, and he says, I can't believe I earned a pay a fee for this. Mm -hmm. And I would assume that he's of a similar social class as you. Nope. Okay, that assumption. He lives month to month, and I help him. Mm -hmm. And he's still surprised he doesn't have to pay. And he's just comparing that to other places where he's lived. Mm -hmm. But Derek, I think we could be an asset yeah. to you rather than, a, you know, us and them. I, I certainly think we should we would want to look at ourselves as resources in this process. Absolutely. Yeah, it goes back some of it to the cost recovery. We just haven't, according to the cost recovery pyramid, we're just in some places extremely low, even with what we're supposed to subsidy and what we agreed on. 
Um, Jackie Becker, Chair, can can you let us know, uh, since we now do have two members underneath Roger uh, and we are bringing sponsorship back, can we start making sure that meeting can start happening next month and definitely have some of this consideration pushed to the forefront of that committee so we can, as an advisory board, be giving suggestions to our sponsorship, you know, through sponsorship to Parks and Rec hopefully for some ways to find more revenue that will hopefully, again, with this 30% increase, maybe give us accessibility to not have 30% on some of the things that, like we said, you know, for certain populations, equitability will be a huge effect on this 30% increase. And I think sponsorship is definitely the way we need to really look at and, and start, you know, we didn't have it for a long time. I think it needs to come to the forefront now. Yeah, Derek Rogers, Director of Parks and Recreation. I, I think that's great, and um, not quite sure where that's falling out. Now we got a little more staff with Kent or, or Roger, so I'll let uh, Lindsay and Roger figure that out on who takes the lead on it. Uh, Jackie Becker, Chair, I know this is going to become a very challenging time with the budget as we figure things out. Uh, so, you know, I would love to see more use of our advisory board and us to make sure we're reaching out to our community and getting engagement. And, um, you know, again, how do we move forward with the with us? You know, I, I feel like a number of voices currently on our board here are saying that, you know, we want to make sure that this 30 percent across the board you know, needs to be talked about, you know, is it, is it everything across the board or can it be higher, lower in different spaces? I think that really has to get answered by the commission for us. And Dirk Rogers, Director of Parks Recreation. I think that sounds like a plan and you know, maybe they, the commission a la carte things and 1.2 doesn't have to be that. But there, there's some things that aren't very palatable to a lot of the community members, whether it's an increase in aquatics fee or it's an increase of a field rental or, or what, whatever it is. Uh, Jackie Backer, Chair. Marilyn, is there any statement you want to build or have us make, or, or how are you feeling right now? Um, I think John said it well when he said we don't really uh, need the commission's permission to give input. That's more of a director level decision and it seems like Derek is open to that. So given that, I, I think that's the way we should go. We don't need to take any formal resolutions or actions at this time. Okay. Thanks. Uh, does anyone else have any more comments in regards to this budget situation for the year? Well, thank you. Thank, thank, think of the position the commission is in. Yeah. The commission is going, uh, well, we can fix your streets or we can make it easier for you to attend. That's the kind of decisions that they're facing. Jackie Becker, sure. Yeah, it's definitely not going to be an easy time and uh, it's going to be a, probably a very long day tomorrow. Hopefully we can 
here's some good ideas and, and possibilities and find some solutions, you know? So, but I, uh, Roger, Roger, I mean, Derek Rogers, I do appreciate that you are listening to us and uh, are open-minded to some of our concerns. So thank you. Director of Parks Recreation, I uh, want to be able to support the community in the best way we can, and we will support in any way what the funds are given to us to do the best we can to provide services to everybody in the community, regardless of their financial vulnerability in marginalized communities. I couldn't agree more. Uh, any last comments or thoughts? I know we're running a little late today, so. All right, if I don't see any more, um, our next meeting is looking to be August 15th. Um, and after that, I'm looking for a motion to adjourn. John Duffy, I move to adjourn. Amber Neckel, board member, I'll second. All right, all those in favor? Aye. Aye. All right. Uh, thank you all so very much. And uh, meeting is adjourned. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.